Keep finance simple. Take control of your finances, reach your business goals, and avoid sleepless nights over cash flow. Now, who advises the people that advise the businesses on money and strategy? Rob Ball does. Who's Rob Ball? He's a seasoned finance expert and former vice president at JP Morgan. He brings over two decades of invaluable experience to the table. With a rich background in finance and business strategy, he has been a guiding force for SME business owners, empowering them to make strategic decisions that pave the way for lasting success. Let's do this. All right, Rob, when it gets to business strategy and business finance, what is excellence? Business strategy and uh, business um, business excellence. I think I think for me the biggest thing is when when I talk to companies who you know haven't got a financial strategic plan, they're often they've got an accountant, they've got backward looking information that tells them what's happened and where they were. The biggest thing around strategy is linking everything that you want to achieve, your goals, your ultimate you know end goal to the finances and making sure you've got visibility, you're tracking that what you think's gonna happen, what you want's gonna happen, actually happens. And right. uh, that's the forward looking view. And of course, you've gotta got track that against what's happened in the past, but you've gotta move beyond that and go, right, the future is there. Let's start planning towards that and have that visibility. Quite like that, linking the end goal to the finance, mm. you know, and you, what else you said is, the accountant's putting a report to you, which is backward looking. It's very common, the backward looking yep. report. It's not always common, by the way, is it? I'm I'm often surprised yeah. because you think clearly it should be Every for everyone. But, you know, some people run their business off a bank balance. If the if there's ca- more cash in the bank than they've had before, they're going the right direction. But just management reporting is important. You've got to report on the past. But you've also got to link that to where you're going and where the future looks. Is that excellence then in, in as it regards finance and strategy, is it excellence? Getting the reports from the past, mm. linking the end goal, the future end goal mm. to finance. Is that excellence when it comes down to I, I finance? Think, and strategy? I think it's the, the forward looking thing and making sure you're you've you know where you're going and you're measuring against that. And to me, the backward looking thing is get it as up to date as possible so you can actually make decisions. I was in before working with SMEs, I used to work with financial service firms and we used to do daily PL. So every single day. Daily PL. You knew how much PL you'd made, where the where the state of things were. All right. And to me it's that speed at which you get the information. That's probably extreme for certain businesses. But but it's that how quickly can you know what's happened and react to it because something's going in the wrong direction or your profit's not where it should be, you're overspending, or you're using too much cash, more cash than you expected to. Look, we've set the tone already. This is going to be like cash, lots, finance, lots. daily p <laughs> All right, so where where do you start when it comes to finance then? I mean, you mentioned daily p and mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty intense. It is, and it's not it's not relevant for every business. I mean, there, there are certain companies now you know, companies that are selling online, they're spending a huge amount of money on, on advertising. They should be looking at their kind of return on ad spend like every day. ROAS. ROAS, that's the one. Um, so that kind of thing is clearly, you've got to look at it because quite quickly you could um, 
be overspending or missing a trick. And I know for those kind of things, you're looking at trends. It's always kind of seven day trends. But the more up to date your financial info is, the quicker you can react to it and understand what's going on. But the big, you know, there's lots of things I've said there. um, But the big thing is keep it simple. You can't look at everything every day. You can't look at everything every month. What you've got to look at is what's the most core drivers for your business for the phase you're going through right now. So some businesses that are going on a particular phase of growth or looking to improve their Mm. profit margin or making sure they're they're building their cash reserves might be looking at something different to companies that might be doing something Mm. else. So it's identifying what's most relevant for your business now, having that as your key metrics that everyone that's got oversight or responsibility for that can look at and you know be on be on the same page well you you place part-time finance directors and part-time commercial directors in businesses that are looking to grow so from from that regard finance and strategy really because the commercial director is a strategic role how do you keep it simple what is keeping it simple It's a, I think it's a, it's a tricky one because often we're talking to people that some people we talk to are very commercial entrepreneurs, people running businesses, very commercial. They get things very quickly. We also work with creatives and sometimes they've got no interest in that. They just want to make beautiful things and, and use their creative energy. Is there two types of entrepreneurs then? Oh, I think there's, there's more than just two, <laughs> I think. But that one extreme, your creatives that have got no interest in They've clearly got an interest in it, but they're not very good at linking what they're doing to being right. commercial about it. And then you've got others that are super. Let's super go. Let, let's go with the creative though, to yeah. start with, because I, I get it. Mm. What does keeping it simple? I'm just going with your words on this. Yeah. What does that look like from a finance or strategy perspective for a creative? Yeah. No. Good. Good question. So, I think for me, you've got to again, whether it's any type of entrepreneur, you've got to understand what are the drivers for that particular business yeah. and make sure we're clear. If the business, yeah, we're when we're looking at the financial strategy, we're we're always improvement. So yeah. improving growth, improving profit, improving margin, improving cash balance. So what's going to help that business improve and how are we going to measure it? That's one of the key things. So for a creative person or someone that's probably quite visual in how they how they kind of respond to data and conversation, yeah, graphics, dashboard, but but linking it to what it's telling them. Um you see so many there's a lot of these dashboards that attach onto cloud-based accounting systems like Xero, and they're all very good, but often they look good, but it's like, what do you do with that info? Yeah, what do you do with it? So this is all that's about... The pa- that's, ha- that's most of the challenge for yeah. small business, isn't it? Presenting the numbers in a meaningful way where you're actually going to do something with exactly. it. Exactly. And that's where this, this concept of just focus on improvement, to me, is the simplest place to start. Where can you improve whatever metric is relevant to your business right now? How can you improve that? And that's that's not just for finance team. You know, a lot of people think about finance and go, yeah, our finance team deals with it. This is talking about, this is what the finance team is reporting and recording. How are we going to improve that metric? Everyone's got a, got a part to play in that for sure. Yeah, I mean, communication's popping up in my head there. I, I've just made a note of that point, focus on improvement. I quite like what you said before that, actually, because and I managed to capture it just in time. Improving profit, margins, and cash balance. Yeah, is that as simple as it gets? Pro- it, it is. It is really, and and ultimately, you know, they're all linked, right? So your your cash is going to be a driver of 
a number of things, but there's there's not many things that are going to drive it. There's, there's seven. If you Look, get I'm really passionate about this subject, right? Yeah. A lot of people aren't passionate about the subject of finance, but they, they... but I think I think people find it confusing, and you, this is where you've got to keep it simple. And you know, if you can break it down to whether it's seven drivers or five drivers or the drivers that your yeah. team or your part of the business is responsible for, everyone should be able to engage with that and understand it. But seven seven drivers for cash, in my view. Um, uh, revenue. So how much revenue you've got? Yeah, and and sales. Yeah, sales. Um, you've got your margin. Um, so these are all the things on your your P and L yeah. balance sheet. Um, so your margin around how much you're buying stuff in yeah. before you sell it on, and then things that drive your cash. Your purely your balance sheet side of the equation. So how quickly you're capturing money. Your your accounts receivable. Your working capital. Yeah. Um, or uh, yeah, sorry, this is all part of working capital, but your work in progress, yeah, or how much inventory you've got. So, stuff that you've done, but so not if your product for. business, your inventory, yeah, service work business. in progress is the stuff that you've done, but you've not necessarily billed for if you're a yeah. professional service company. And then, when you're paying people, how quickly you're paying people, are you overpaying? Can you, can you yeah. slow that down? Those are the only things that any business can really have an impact on. And below that, there's, a, there's clearly different levels of that, yeah. but if you start there. There's not many things that you can have an impact on. And everyone in the business, especially on the senior team, should be able to impact those those seven drivers. Especially on the senior team. You've, you, right. You, I've made a, <laughs> made a couple of things. Let's attempt mm. to de-confuse things, mm-hmm. to unconfuse things, if whatever makes sense there. Because, I mean, why do people, why is it so often said accounting is confusing is it because there's all different terminology turnover revenue well sales they're all the free same i could could upset a few people here um yeah but i think people that study accounting become qualified accountants and get into that feel they have to generate stuff to look as if they know what they're doing and i think it probably applies to other things as well let's be super clear here you you've also you, you, you've got a vast experience in this finance. Yeah, and I'm a qualified accountant. Um, so I know, you know there's lots of things you could really get complicated. And some sometimes you need to get complicated. Yeah, yeah. That's the nature of the business. But when it comes to the SME companies I now work with, keep it super simple. Keep it so simple and don't overcomplicate things with lots of reports that might look pretty, might look comprehensive, what but if the best no one reports? understands it. What, what, what's on the best report? I mean, let's just brainstorm that for a second. Yeah. Well, again, it, it does. It obviously depends on the business, but and this is what I mean. It depends on what cycle your business is going through, what it's trying to achieve. Because um, some people will be going for growth. Some people will be trying to go, we've got a, we've got a problem. We've, we're over, we've got too much overhead. We've got too yeah. much expense. We're not making enough money. So you've got to go into, right, we need to, take control of this we need to improve profitability and and gain more cash reserves because we're burning cash that to me would be a separate yeah a type of metrics you want to look at and monitor which is different to a company that's just going for rapid growth and might be looking to spend more to acquire more clients yeah might be you know knowing that they're going to burn cash because they've got growth coming Therefore, they've planned that. So there's different metrics there to look at. Depends on the plan then. Oh, you said 100%. depends on the cycle, depends on the plan, what's in there. Mm-hmm. You know, this concept of take control, that surely doesn't depend on the cycle. That could be for everybody though, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the report is taking control. Yeah, yeah 100%. And, and the control is, is really having visibility, isn't it? Having visibility 
and confidence that you've got accurate data to make decisions. I think some of the things that I hear with companies is we've got a finance team. Um, we look at, you know, the founder, the management team might look at the output from the finance team. And they, because of the way their brain's wired and what they know just about the business and what they're passionate about, they know it's wrong. They know that doesn't make sense. And they lose that trust with the finance team. And for me, you've got to have accurate info. And if you can't get accurate info, you need to address the systems you're using, the processes you're using, which impact finance, and potentially look at the people you've yeah. got. Are they capable? Especially when the business has grown. You know, business starts off, it's relatively simple. But as things get more and more complicated, you overlay yeah. different products, different services, different systems, different offices, whatever it is, things get more and more complicated. So you've got to have a step back and almost go, right, how do we simplify every process that impacts finance so we can get to a clean close of the numbers, either on a monthly basis, weekly? Daily is probably over the top for a lot of companies, but just how do we get all this data in and make make sense of it quicker? Sometimes when you're starting something, there is, there is uh, an argument to actually go bigger on it, to, mm. to like start almost doing it daily just to get the level of focus and intention regarding that. I mean, yeah. it's proven that you'll actually end up going faster and get to where you want to go faster if you go bigger yeah. really at the start. It's got to be consistent steps afterwards. Um, so, so as an example, I used to work for one a big US bank and they always wanted to be the first bank to have their results out every quarter. Really? We've got to be the first bank that gets our results out every single quarter. What did you learn from them? Are we allowed to name them or not? I'm assuming so. JP Morgan. JP yeah, Morgan. there we go. Yeah, so JP Morgan, they're one of the most successful American banks out there. And yeah, I was working in one division within the London office. And our focus was get, for the whole bank, our results out to the market before anyone else every single quarter. And did they do that every yeah, quarter? 100%. How... What impact do you think that had on their success? I'm guessing it added a lot of impact on culture and mentality. I think there's a couple of things there. One is, you know, this is this is important and we want to be leading the way in terms of showing, right. showing ideally how well we're doing. And I think normally they were quite successful at that. Um, but just be confident, yeah, we're going to tell everyone before anyone else knows or, or anyone else does. When it comes to... I guess the interesting thing for finance, from my experience, one, it was hard because every quarter, you know, you've got you've got to do the hours. You've got to potentially do some weekends to just get everything done. At the last sort of minute. Well, it's not last minute, is it? It's because end of quarter comes. Yeah, you've, you've got and, to just get on And it. the turnaround. Yeah. Are we talking a few days and then it's out? It's probably about a, it's probably a week, maybe. maybe so within seven days of the quarter. Yeah, seven to ten days, you've, you've kind of and, done it. And they were always first. Yeah. Wow. But at the same time, the rest of the quarters probably freed up to do other stuff because you've done that compliance reporting yeah. aspect. You can then go on to, in my view, okay, what what do you learn from that quarter and could we do it better next time or speed up something or what mm -hmm. caught us out? But also how, how can we improve other things in the business? You know, to me, finance is a function. Deliver the compliance stuff, which in a regulated banking industry is hugely important. Yeah. But you've got to do the regulatory compliancy stuff, or yeah. whether it's VAT returns, whatever, get that data ready and done. Then it's, okay, how can we help the business? How can we help the business improve what they're doing? Who do I need to speak to in the business to help them, yeah. give them information that's going to help them make decisions or or whatever it is that they're, they're working on? So if you if you extend the period of time you're doing the compliancy stuff, the month-end routine stuff, 
the less time you've got. Got it. For the fun stuff, in my opinion, which is actually <laughs> helping the business drive forward. So there's the whole reporting thing, mm. and then there's the decision making, and then there's having fun implementing the decisions. Exactly. Yeah, it's Quite the strategic like piece, isn't it? That to me is the interesting bit. You know, you don't if you all you're doing is you know the transactional, just adding stuff up and looking at that. You know, that's a lot of that should be automated now. It's it's junior people in a finance team doing that. I want to be looking at strategic things that are going to help help a business push yeah, forward. Yeah, I quite like that though. You know, as a, as a three-piece, I mean, on a micro level, any small business could do this. Yeah. It's the straight away, like every month. 100%. You know, let's get that report done as soon as we can yeah. at the end of the month. Yeah. P&L, balance sheet, all reported. Let's make some decisions on it. Yeah. And let's have fun implementing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And let's make sure that we're on track for the plan. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? The quicker you know how you've done, the quicker you can have confidence that you're on plan or you're not. And if you're not, make some decisions or do some things to get back on plan. Right. Clearly, look, this is for every business mm. listening in right now. This is every business. I mean, yep. there's no getting away from this. The language of business is logic. Yep. And ultimately, it comes down to a set of numbers in all businesses. What is an FD? You put part-time FDs in. So yep. what is a finance director? For some small businesses listening right now, that might be feel like a step too far. But let's just understand what a finance director is. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, there's probably a few ways of describing an FD, but for me, it is someone that's got a forward-looking commercial view of the finances. So someone that can look at the numbers of the business, understand where the business is going, and help, and help ensure that that period of time we're looking at ahead is, is going to be a good performing period. And that would include... If the business wants to scale up, wants to do things like an acquisition, invest in yeah. some new equipment, invest in new staff, invest in a different location, make sure everything works. Well, so I, it's hang on a second, because my second question was going to be, what do the best FDs on the planet do? So <laughs> yeah. is that some of what they do? Or? I think that's the standard stuff. The standard stuff is everything I've just said. You know. So what do the best ones do then? If that, if that was the standard, <laughs> what do the world's best FDs do? So I think for me and what I, what I encourage all my team to do is you know, get into the head of the business the business owner, founder, management team, and be able to go that that the little bit extra and actually think, okay. Guide the decision making. Guide the decision making, but also give them the confidence that they can take on whether it's a bit more risk, calculated risk, or or just you know, push the boundaries of what they might have done before. And and the reason I say that, and I think this is so important right now, is the pace of change is so quick and i think if businesses aren't pushing themselves to 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 push those boundaries yes really good point then you you potentially going to miss out to a competitor or or miss miss an opportunity so to me you the business is you know the end goal is the important thing so where where are you trying to get to for this quarter 6 months 12 months 3 years you know understand those time horizons and just be in a position to go great yeah. to get there. This all stacks up. Your forward-looking budget, financial model works. But what if? What if we did more? What? Well, two things. To this. What if things went better? Or so does the FD do pose that scenarios? And the negative side as well. So yeah, is that kind of what? Yeah, what, what is? So what if positive and negative? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. 
All right, let's go the other side then. So commercial director, even though it has been around a long time, actually smaller businesses are considering commercial direct. What is a commercial director? I'm going to ask you the two questions. So just, <laughs> just what is commercial me. director? Yeah. What is... What do the world's best commercial yep. directors do? So what is a commercial director first? So to me, what a commercial director does is really help a business understand what strategies it can put in place to help it grow. It's about growth and making sure it's got some clear strategy to make that happen. And that can cover a whole range of things from you know, understanding how to acquire clients. Yeah. Um, maintaining good relationships with those clients all the way through to how you, you know, do operations and process around those. Um, so that there's a whole range of things that could cover from pricing strategy to how you actually position yourself in the market against your competitors, understanding, you know, are you, are you hitting the right points in terms of your, your marketing yeah. and, and all of that. Understand strategies to put in place to help the business grow. So yeah. acquiring and developing clients, customers as well, the business and, model. And products, services, yeah, everything really. It's just having a, a perspective. So, so what did the world's best commercial <laughs> directors do? So I think I think the best commercial directors that I've seen and worked with will look at everything yeah. and quite quickly get to a point where we clearly can't do everything. So what should we do that's going to have the biggest return? without getting distracted and so, with then i think especially when it comes to smes you've got entrepreneurs who like shiny things they like going over over things they've seen or heard yeah. commercial director can almost give a bit of that balanced view of look if we could do all those things amazing but we're, we're restrained by whatever factors they are capital resource time what can we do to make the biggest impact for this business and make sure it works? To me, that's the that's the key. I love it. I mean, holistic decision-making mm. across the, 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 the best, they can make the decision based on the whole thing mm. and no distractions. Yeah. Tunnel vision. Yep. Kind of irrefutable, that, isn't it, for yep. the world's best? So, and, and, and I think part of that is getting everyone in the business on the on the same page and behind that plan how do i know i'm ready for a finance director for a finance director i i always encourage people to have a conversation so they they can kind of get a feel of to what they might be missing right now um so the, the smaller end of businesses that we work with um probably half a million turnover um all the way up to you know much bigger companies yeah. but you know if anyone is struggling with the business is not delivering the return they think it should be or they're struggling with cash and constantly yeah not making progress then i think that's the time to have a conversation and you might you probably you don't need a full-time fd at that point you might just need some points I mean, that's the advantage of part-time yeah yeah I mean, of course you a couple don't... of days a month or yeah. whatever it is yeah you can have the the competence of a senior figure in a huge business yep. in your business. Hundred percent. Expertise. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's not just you you're paying for someone's time to do 
reporting because I mean, they are doing it for yeah, you. Yeah, they're doing it. I mean, an FD shouldn't be doing hands-on transaction stuff. You know, they'll be extracting data and helping you make decisions. Will there be but... a finance manager or a financial controller or something like that in a business? Yeah, so I mean, some some businesses we work with would literally just have a bookkeeper, bookkeeper that captures everything, and then we would generate information on the back of that to make decisions. Other companies might have finance manager, controller, or even a junior FD, an FD that's doing most of it but not quite to the level the business needs to be at and you know i was very fortunate when i was working in big companies you have lots of people you can use as mentors go for advice in a small business if you're running the finance team there's no one else to go for or to go to so having a part-time more experienced fd or finance lead can can offer some value you know there as well i did a, i did a podcast with gentlemen uh maybe not so long ago called james circus he's mm-hmm. Very, he's an entrepreneur. He's got loads of businesses. He's sold some businesses for. You might even know him from some of our events that we've been to. Um, but he's, he's, he sold businesses for multi millions. And he's not quite a creative. He's an entrepreneur. He's a, mm. he's a fast decision maker. But one thing he says is, even if it meant him going into debt earlier on, if he could go back, he'd have just got he'd have just got an FD in as early as possible even if it meant that he had to borrow money to get it mm. so that he could control the finance and move faster yeah and he's already a ridiculously fast mover so it was quite a powerful statement that he made. no it's very powerful i like that can i use that <laughs> <laughs> i want to, to just to add to that i think the key thing with with anyone you're bringing into the business at a senior level they've got to add value and give a return so to me if you bring an fd in it's not a cost it's an investment to take that business up a notch and I think that should apply to to any resource. But for anyone you know, looking to to us to get an FD or commercial director, it shouldn't be a cost. I suppose. It should be an investment to get the business to the next stage. I'm only making this up. If you've got both of them, it's like it's like you've almost got a board kind of straight away, really, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, and it's not just the time you're you're getting of someone. It's it's all their experience. Yeah, you've got people that you know are joining your team. Who have been there before right. they've made mistakes they've seen others make mistakes and that's what you're getting you're getting someone that's seen all of this other stuff in other businesses and they're bringing that learning to your business and almost accelerating your learning as the founder for bits you might not be aware of all right let, let, let's come back to let's come back to some finance here so we, yep. look, we've had we, we've <laughs> had a brief introduction here but let's go back to so a good teacher of mine is a gentleman named Alan Miltz. You probably mm. know about him. He's, he says this, um, turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king or queen. Yeah, absolutely. Why is cash king or queen? I'd say cash, cash is the thing that can, can stop a business, right? Cash flow kills big businesses and small businesses, yeah, if you like it. Yeah, 100%. And I often, you know, we, we have companies that come to us and say we've got a cash flow issue. And... To me, I'm like, it's not a cash flow issue. It's something you didn't do. A management issue? Six or? months or, or right. whatever. Decision-making issue? Or? Yeah, something's happened in the past, which means you're just about to run out of cash or you have run out of cash. So to me, that's all preventable if you're monitoring it and looking at it. So cash is the one thing that if you get to that point where you run out, you you stop, you're dead. It's a big, it's a big cause of stress. Mm. Apparently, according to some research, because I'm sure that other people will, will uh, correct me if there's some <laughs> other research. According to some research, for business owners, financial stress 
is the worst level of stress, where they're up all night, sweating, mm. can't get to sleep. And is that cash flow? Is that just creep? Because it can creep up on you. Bad mm. situations can creep up. It can progressively get worse. Yep. What stops people looking at the cash? Is it the confusing state? I think people, you know, it's often not on the radar. You know, when we're talking about cash, it's part of your balance sheet. Yeah. Every management team meeting normally talks about P&L, profit, revenue, P&L. They don't often talk about balance sheet. Yeah. You know, when I speak with the experts, the balance sheet is the much simpler one of the two. It's yeah. much the, it's the easiest one of the two. Yeah. It's, it's the one. Yeah. No, 100%. And I think that's the thing that people get caught out by because they assume it's okay. And it's, you know, we, we can have good profit, uh, we can have good good growth, but if that's not coming in, in the cash, because you're, you're spending more cash to make that profit, or you've got slow slow cash coming in and you're spending cash out to, to buy product or pay for services, that's when you can get caught out. And there are times in the economy where we have a cash squeeze, so everyone starts slowing down on paying their their suppliers and that's when you can get caught out because if you have that cash that's due to come in and then suddenly something stops um you know i know there's a few companies who i know have relied on r&d tax credits so they've, they've spent on innovation they're expecting every yeah. a steady flow of cash to come back in through that government support that's slowed down because the hmrc are being more more diligent about those claims and they're slowing down payments out and some people have just gone, we were relying on that, and it's just stopped. And that can happen with, with any customer, right? anyone that's just suddenly stops paying you, or a bank just pulls the plug. You know, So many companies have been in a situation where the banks just suddenly remove the credit line. And if you're reliant on that, that can just yeah, stop the business. And then it forces you into decisions. Yeah. And there's instant pressure, there's panic for some people, you know, but sometimes that's a good thing, isn't it? To being forced into a situation where you've got to control the finances. 100%. But I think you can avoid that by, you know, having a mindset where every activity you do in the business should be a cash-generating activity. So not just profit-making, but it's a cash-generating activity. And if you if you have that mindset and apply it, and everyone in your business does the same... Cash-generating activities. Like yeah. what? Well, if you're, yeah, let's say you're going to launch a new, a new service, uh, yeah, new product, uh, new new service within your business if you're a professional service, and you go right, we're going to have to put some money out the door for for paying for stuff, whether it's people, whether it's marketing, whether it's um, some kind of stuff you've got to pay yeah. for before you get an income in. You've got to look at it and understand, okay, well, when are you going to get the cash back from that? When's it going to start generating cash? And if there's a long cycle to start it being positive yep. cash generating, okay, how do you change that? Do you need to spend money out the door or can you negotiate your payment terms with your supplier or yep. look at other ways to generate a guaranteed income from that product service before you put money out the door? That's just thinking about it a little bit differently. Some companies will go... It's time though. It's where he's... Where he's you, you've got to put time, focus, and effort into those kind of conversations. That's yeah. what you know. That's what I'm thinking of there. Let, let's. How do I go about learning that? So, layperson, average business owner, how yeah. do they go about learning 
about finance, P&Ls, balance sheets, cash flow statements? Well, the, the obvious answer for me was get an FD to, to kind of take some of that pressure off, but they should be educating the team on, on the important bits as well. I mean, there's, you know, it, it, if, if, if someone's running a business and has got no knowledge of, of that kind of thing, then I think that's a dangerous, dangerous position to be in. And, you know, accountants should be able to offer some simple advice. Yeah, well, look, there's, there, is, there are simple steps to take, but as companies get bigger, often the numbers get bigger and the cash can come and go quicker than it's ever well, been. the language of business is logic, yeah, it's mm. finance. And I, I like this example. If you've got two people in France, in Paris, and they had to get from one side of it to the other, mm-hmm. And one of them could speak French and the other person couldn't speak French and they're not allowed to look at any signs. They're only allowed to speak to people to get to the other side to navigate. Who's going to get there faster? Mm. The person who can speak the language. Yeah. Yeah. And I do I, I do think even getting an FD, you've, you've got to be able to understand the language as well yep. yourself. Well, the, the, yeah, an easiest example of how to help understand it is to start looking at it almost as a scorecard. Yeah, what is your ability to to generate cash that's the language that's used in a lot of these businesses yeah what's the scorecard 100 percent. and i think that's the way to um that's the way to get either you as the founder of the business or people on your management team or other people aware is put it up there and say this is important to us that we need to be generating cash as a business and this is how we measure that so let's say today It's not been important enough for me to put that up on mm. on screen. How do we start? How do we start going about that in the business? Do we just randomly change the meeting? I mean, there'll be people listening right now that mm. need to get this scorecard visible. Yeah, no, what's the first step? Hundred percent. What well, is the first step? The first thing is to look at it. Okay, so if if balance sheet and cash balance isn't on your management team agenda or even looked at, start looking at it. What? All right, so bal- management team agenda. Let's go through that. What? What's an ideal agenda on a management team? Let's just go through that. <laughs> From a finance perspective, um, I, yeah, to me, and, and the thing is, it's not actually just finance, this, but it's things that link into finance. So, you know, if you're looking at revenue over that period of time, yeah. it's going to be driven by your sales activity yeah. and what's happened there. So that links Critical into Critical activities. Yeah, exactly. Um, anything to do with margin, so, yeah, monitoring has a particular quarter um been different in terms of the margin you've achieved and what's driven that is it a particular product service yeah where where's yeah. that difference come from and then the other big thing is are you collecting money in quick enough have you got anyone that's not paying what they should be and that's not just for someone in your finance team to deal with that's for the salesperson in my opinion to deal with because there's no point in your sales team selling stuff nice. that no one pays and i think that's that's where you've got to bring in these other departments to, to margins collection how do you because we're talking about educating the team here mm. yep what's what's key to educating the team to control the finances well i think the first thing is is just as i said looking at it and having it yeah. monitored on a dashboard and you mentioned alan Mill, so he talks about gamifying it you know turn it into a game yeah your, your game for your team is to generate cash and there's a scorecard and you're playing the game of cash generation and i think that's nice. that's something you can you know you i mean to me one way of doing it is look we've we've got a problem here we think 
we're not getting money in quick enough and look at the trends look at okay this is where we are this is where we should be and pick a number that is either where you should be or where you feel it should be right and then go right how do we get there how do we make sure we improve this particular metric what are the ideas that in most key cases the team will have but unless they're asked they're not gonna i quite like that i've scribbled that down is in a step by step <laughs> number one look at it yeah dashboard it monthly number two gamify it look yeah. at the trend set a target then how we're going to achieve this target let's come up with the ideas now and then get to work exactly yeah five point five point system there we go perfect five points what what mind shift this is a big one revenue focus versus mm. profit focus what mind shift does someone have to go through from being more bothered about sales because mm. quite frankly a business that's turning five million with a 500k profit mm. is better than a business that's turning over 20 million with a 500k profit yeah 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 100%. so um what what mind shift does someone have to go through to move from revenue focus towards profit focus well i think i think the big question for me is there's only all the big thing for me is there's no point in having revenue if you're not making the right level of profit and i think you know for whatever revenue um metric you've you, or me revenue target you've got you've got to make sure you understand what that should do in terms of linking to what, um what's the profit, the profit target <laughs> exactly it's and normal then, in business isn't it for the crystal clear revenue targets just yeah. not as clear but it's, on the but, it's but yeah there's there's so many early stage companies with great ideas that seem to attract funding that profit's not even on the horizon it's it's revenue 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 and people are willing to fund that and for some companies is that because they're sense. trying to get a market share there's partly that but also it's people thinking that's, that's the not the norm thing. though is it not, the, not the norm in the 5.5 million businesses in the uk i mean that's it's, it's not the norm the, though there's but, millions of businesses who would yeah. like some funding maybe we should talk about funding actually yeah. funding. But, but i guess one of the things that that causes a problem with is when you've got companies that are funded at a different scale to normal sme companies that you, you're just referring to these companies are still trying to compete for the same customers. So someone that's got a massive budget to spend on advertising or you know, marketing to acquire yeah, customers. Yeah. We've got smaller companies trying to acquire the same customers, but they're still trying to maintain a profit margin, et cetera. And you, yeah, you see some of these companies that go bust doing that, made.com made and all those, yeah, those kind of things, because they're chucking money at acquiring customers, but they're not making profit. Yeah. And suddenly... They run out. They run out of that runway. They run out of cash. And then they have to try and get some more funders exactly. and some more investment. Yeah, exactly. Dilute the share in a little bit more. No, you hear the stories, don't no, 100%. you? 100%. Um, and I, th I think, so the answer to your question about mindset from revenue to profit, um, to me, revenue is growth can be hard, right? You've got to keep finding new customers. You've got to keep selling them more yeah. or encourage them to spend more with you. Whereas if you had the same customer base and you could squeeze some more margin out of them from gradual increase in prices or making sure you're delivering things that they're Excellent. willing to pay a bit more for, or you're just being super clever about, okay, are we buying the inputs to this product? You know, your, your cost of sales, can we get that down and improve our margin? Can we reduce our overhead? Can we improve 
the way we do things with maybe technology and less people to to improve our profit level those things are more in your control and often more predictable than we're going to try and acquire another whole whole bunch of clients so i think going for the easy option isn't always just revenue growth and the other thing is i've seen so many companies that have have great revenue but when you look at it there's only a small portion of it that's actually driving profit and there's a bunch of it that's just probably giving you more of a headache and costing you more than it should be so simplifying the client mix or the mix of revenue you've got to make sure it's all of a consistent quality of margin is a quick is a quick and easy way to to improve that position of the business in my opinion i tell you i made a couple of notes there about what you just said and you definitely described someone who's definitely more holistically looking at the business in the second example rather than just focusing on next sale, next sale, next sale, that number, that number, that number. You talked about improvement. You talked about customer service. You talked about delivering excellently to your customers and keeping them and working out what you're going to do next to improve it. You use the word improvement a lot. So I think you're considering the whole picture a lot more, which is part of the mind shift. Yeah. And I'd not pieced it together there. I was thinking simplistically like, Set a revenue target versus mm. set a no profit target, but look at that in yep. between. You got to consider the the overall what you're delivering to the customer. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Retention of your customers becomes super important in profit mm. focus, doesn't it? It does, because yeah, a, a customer that you've got is expensive when you lose that customer, and if you can just be a little bit more focused on how you might squeeze a bit more profit is, out of that customer. Is it any different for a product business versus a service business? Or is it the same? I think when when you um when you come into it at the top level, business is the same, right? Yes, there are some nuances between products product based business and a service based business, but at the end of the day it's the same thing, right? You've you've still got to make sure your customers are happy and you're consistently delivering something that's profitable to you, whether that's a service or a product. So ultimately, it is very similar in approach, but yeah, some some small nuances to think about, which are going to be different for a product-based business in terms of how you drive profit. What what are the keys to a recurring revenue stream? Um, So I'm just trying to think what would apply to any any business. To me, having a loyal customer base that keeps wanting to come back has got to be has got to be a top thing, right? It's got to be, hasn't it? A loyal customer base that keeps wanting to come back. So that whole customer service piece. Yeah. Sorry, it's not even customer service anymore. It's customer experience. Yeah. Yeah. Customer Sorry, experience. UX. Yeah. UX. Yeah. The, that customer experience piece, I think, is is a huge thing. And I think some some businesses do that very well. And there's there's some examples out there of well known companies that do it amazingly. Yeah. And I think often SME companies overlook it because it's it it's not. It's not necessarily hard work once you've got mm-hmm. that kind of mindset around this is important to us, but getting to that stage can be hard work because you've got to get everyone on the team embedded within that customer comes first, and that's how we're going to make our decisions to make sure we keep keep and maintain those customers, the right customers. You don't want to keep customers that are costing you money. What well, What is the right customer? What's the wrong customer? So I think... I think um, for your yeah, for anyone's business, this comes down to, I guess, the link to marketing, isn't it? You should understand what your kind of avatar yeah. is, who you're aiming for. 
And that's got to be ultimately because it's going to be a profitable client that you can serve well. You know, if the opposite of that is a customer that's more draining on your time and more needy than you it should be and reluctant to pay, then you that's the kind of thing you don't want, right? What should you do if you've got a, a draining customer that's needing on your time? Um, I'd probably get rid of them, sack the client, sack the customer. Um, I think I think it's a difficult thing to do, uh, um, and I think you know, people struggle with that concept of either rejecting a client in the first place because you think they're going to be the wrong fit for you. There's a trap though, there isn't there? There is. Um, but if fall for it, if they are not a profitable customer, you know, for, for various reasons, what's the point? You know, we're all in business to make money. And if you're, if you're delivering a service that in your opinion is what it should be, and they're still not willing to pay for it or being awkward and difficult, then go and find someone else. And I think in, in most cases when people make that, when people do that review of the customers and think, yeah, these are the bucket of customers that we really don't want and you move them on, I think that's a real motivational thing for everyone in the business because they know those are the painful clients that take up all the time. Let's ca categorise that, actually, as a financial mistake. Let's just call yeah. this a financial mistake, mm. taking on the wrong customers, saying yep. yes to the wrong customers, keeping service in the wrong customers. Let's mm. just call that a financial mistake because it has a huge impact on time yeah. and money, yeah? What are some of the other financial mistakes that you've that you've seen in business? There's many. <laughs> There's the biggest many. ones. Yeah, biggest ones. I think I think and you know, lots of lots of entrepreneurial businesses and, and the people that lead them get very optimistic about how things are gonna work out and are very quick to, to put money into things or think this is what we should be doing. And often are too slow. To, yeah. to, to stop, put on the brake and go, no, we shouldn't be doing that. Um, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, look, I've just had another podcast uh, that I've done not so long ago. And again, it comes up, blind optimism mm. is a big financial mistake. Yeah. Just excessively optimistic. Yeah. And I think this is where some of the, the conversations should happen between, you know, founder, MD, management team and finance is to understand... Right, this is what you think is going to happen, and it all works works out and makes sense if it does happen. But at what point do we have to say no? This is this is not what the, right are the way rules. I think just trying to keep it simple. I mean, ultimately, if you've got a, mar a profit margin you're trying to stick to, you know, maybe how it long, is that you're right. How long are you willing? At what to, point do we say no? Yeah, maybe back, it's just that question. At what point do we say no? Yeah. And that comes back to, you know, maybe the cash generation thing is the is the right thing to look at. How much are we willing to spend on this before it becomes cash generating? And that's a very easy thing to, to track and get everyone aware of. It is. Yeah. But it's all about keeping it simple. It's not a, you know, it's thinking about it in advance and thinking, right, if this doesn't work or if we can't get it profitable or cash generating within a period of time, we we pull the trigger and we don't do it. Or we start trying to tweak it on the way, but we have a final cutoff. This doesn't work anymore. What kind of strategies or focus, financially or commercially, can 
can the listeners do straight away that has an instant impact? Hmm. What do you reckon? Um, I think I'll reiterate the cash point. If you if you're not looking at your cash balance and trend, that's the first thing to look at and think. Okay, how do we improve our cash position? I quite like that. I mean, look, you're repeating now. So, how do we improve? So it's all about improvements. Yeah. Number one, look at the cash balance. I mean, I had I had the five things. I'll repeat them again. <laughs> look at it. Yeah. Gamify it. What's the trend? Set a target. How are we going to achieve this target? Come up with the ideas. Get to work. Yeah. And we combine that with your first cycle that you said, end of month report as soon as possible, like at JP Morgan. Yep. Make a decision. Have some fun for the rest of the month implement. That you're calling yep. it fun, yeah? Yep. The implementation. Which it is. Business yep. is fun, yeah. And track it. Yeah. That you're that you're on track to your strategic goal. Yeah. Is that keeping it simple to you, all of that? To me, to me, it's keeping it simple, and you know the the main, the outcome of all of that, is a strong, what we call a strong balance sheet. You know, you've got cash reserves that you're building. You, in theory, don't have the headaches of the cash suddenly runs out or looks like it's about to run out. Just a second, I love what you said. You yeah. just said the word in theory. Yeah, it's not reality though. Well, is it? Well, if you do all of those things, it is. Then, then yes, the you, likelihood is. The likelihood is, yeah. For sure. No, 100%. Yeah. That's cool because everybody can do that. Yeah. And I guess we're coming back to my JP Morgan thing. So I that was my first main job out of studies. And I was in operations and finance. And the thing that was drilled into us or drilled into me or I heard a lot was this concept of a fortress balance sheet. And the CEO of JP Morgan always talks about we've got to have a fortress balance sheet. Everything we decide on really got to got to... Got to Beautiful not, phrase, not focus our balance sheet. And, and what does that mean? It basically means we've got to have a robust balance sheet. Yeah, liquidity, which is basically cash, and in the case of most SMEs, got to have enough cash that we can withstand financial shocks and still do deals. So if you're in a position where you've got good cash reserves and you can consistently build cash, you know you've got that, that kind of safety net. And if opportunities arise... You can you can pounce on them, whether that's an acquisition, taking on team members or, or talent that might have come available, going into different sectors. It gives you the ability to do those things. And that's why you're doing all this. I think the key thing is a strong, strong balance sheet, cash generating business has more options. You know, more people are going to lend to you if you want to borrow money to do bigger things yeah. because you, you constantly can improve your cash position and it just gives you more choice. And, and, when, and more sleep. If and when up <laughs> and more sleep. Yeah. This nice phrase what you said though in the yeah. middle of all of that. If opportunities come along, it means you can pounce yeah. on them. Which is cool, isn't it? It means yeah. a confidence booster. I was always trained by Brad Sugars actually, as you know that that whole cash position, you want to be a roughly about three to six times your monthly overhead mm. in cash position means you can pounce on opportunities. Yeah. And anything more than that, you can just put into investment. You can go invest elsewhere in another business or in yeah, a profit portfolio. No, no, 100%. And I think that's, yeah, there's plenty of ways you can put that money aside. Or yeah. if you're the owner or the shareholders, yeah, extract Or go and pounce on more opportunities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or use it to, to create wealth in, in things away from the business, yeah. whether that's 
property or other other bits and Shares. pieces. Yep. And that's six months. I think six months is a good measure. And yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be in cash. I think half of that in cash, half of it in easy to access liquidity, which could be overdraft yeah. or, or facility from your bank. Yeah. That's interesting perspective. Yeah. So yeah. half so three months of it in cash. Yeah. And three months of it in access to more funding. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the bank will give you or a loan yeah. or something yeah, like that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Which to make up the six months. Now what if someone's got an adverse mentality towards risk? Do they need more than that three months? Some people well, do. Yeah, I think uh, potentially. I mean, if you if you got even more cash reserves, then why not? For sure. But it comes a point where, yeah, there's an opportunity cost to having so much cash. That yeah, you're not doing other things with it. And the idea is, if you're constantly adding to your cash reserves, you can then, you know, capture that cash and do something else with it. So you're not your risk. Yeah, you've if you've got yourself into a position where you are able to generate cash and your focus is on everything yeah. the business does is a cash generating activity. It does sound glamorous, then, doesn't it, to have excess levels of cash in the bank. It just sounds a, a nice too. Yeah. It's also a financial mistake though, remember, mm. you know, because money can make you more money. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 know, so you can use it to go and make more money and it, it becomes a mistake on the other side. It's 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 maybe it's less common, but but that's, maybe it's that's not. where I think maybe you it's... need to set a target and say this is what we should have as our cash reserve. Yep. And and beyond that, either the business is going to start making some decisions with it, or if you're the shareholders, extract we'll that make cash some decisions and with do it. some stuff with it. I'll yeah. have a new house. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Being in business should give you my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, very nice. I got some quick questions for you. Cool. What's your favorite book that you've ever read on business? That's a good question. Um, there's a lots. There's lots I've read. I'm just trying to think. Um, so probably one I've enjoyed the most recently, well, actually, is probably a year ago. I read it was the Nike Nike um, founder. Um, I've got the name of it now. Do you know the name of that? Shoe Dog. Yeah, Shoe Dog. Yeah, yeah, Shoe Dog. Beautiful, but amazing. Lots of lots of learnings in that, and also it doesn't always go in a textbook fashion right yeah it's, it's yeah. a really good book i yeah. mean that's definitely it's almost hall of fame category that book i think yeah. uh when i say hall of fame i mean separate bookshelf for the <laughs> hall of famers you know yeah. you don't just put them in with the normal bookshelf you get the that's you it. know develop a hall of fame bookshelf you you probably will earn a lot more money if you do so 100 uh, percent. all right what's your favorite movie favorite movie I think one one of my favourites has got to be the um, the founder, which is the oh, kind of McDonald's story. So um, we, I look, like that. Your favourite book is Shoe Dog by Nike. <laughs> and your favourite movie is The Founder. Yeah, yeah, amazing on systemising a business. Yeah, you know Ray Kroc. Wow, it's education. It's fun. It's educational. Amazing movie. It is, and there's just so many aspects of that you can. Kind of As a business owner, you can really yeah. relate to it, yeah? Yeah, 100%. Favourite holiday destination? So I love I love being on or near the water. So um, have I got a favourite place to go? What's I, your favourite holiday you've ever been on? Well, it's a tough one. 
There's been, well, to be fair, there's been many. I've been lucky. I've been lucky you've, with how many places you do. Like, you, you've got a boat. Yeah, you've yeah. got you've got a few boats. I've got access to boats. Yeah, through through boat clubs. Um, so I think the UK's got some amazing places to hang out when the weather's good. Um, I do. I like Australia. I've been to a few times. I like bits of Asia, Thailand. Yeah, those are probably mine. And Greece, actually. I did some sailing around Greece, which was lovely. Yeah, too many places <laughs> to choose from. Anywhere with water. Yeah. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Aquaman. Aquaman. <laughs> there was someone someone I had heard, I've forgotten who it was now, um, concepts of bullshit, man. This, this Detecting. Whole, yeah, this whole kind of bullshit, man, of you go into a meeting and just call out bullshit. Oh, you mean... <laughs> Having the nerve to say that yeah. to anyone at any level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Having the well, let's just let's just go a step beyond the bullshit, me. <laughs> let's just say having the courage to do whatever's required. Yeah. I mean that that's a good superpower. Yeah? It is. But I, so, I guess sometimes courage to I, I try to ask those those awkward questions, but yeah, sometimes that's going a step a step beyond. But I think sometimes it's needed, right? I think people need to get realistic. And be called out in a polite way. Yeah, look, calling out is one thing for courage. I mean, you've got me on the courage thing. I mean, having the courage to do whatever you need to do to get to wherever you've got to get. Yeah. That would be a really good superpower, wouldn't yeah. it? Really good. Nice. Early bird or night owl? <laughs> um, early, early birds. How early? Um, normally between five and six. I'm up. Between five and six. There you yeah. go. If you could have one day in someone else's life, who would you choose? Well, that's a tough one. Tough one. Do you know what? So, sometimes, for me, a real big switch off from work and all the complication of that is time I spend with my kids. And I think sometimes just being in the eyes of their 10 and 6, but being in the eyes of a 10 or 6-year-old... For, for a particular day just completely yeah. refresh and changes you so is that understand that what's going on in their heads yeah. for that whole sort of parent kid dynamic yeah. what's going on there and just their view on the world that kind of well you, simplistic you know just have fun and not take things too seriously i like that yeah having one day you mean remembering back what it's like to be yeah. a six-year-old again <laughs> yeah just to remember back that's a nice thought I like that. Who've been the three, three biggest trusted advisors in your life? Oh, three biggest. I think I'm quite lucky that I've got a number of people around me that I would call on or, or seek guidance, yeah. advice from. Um, I'm not sure I could name just three. I think the, the important thing for me is having people from different backgrounds, different perspectives to tap into. And some of those people very close to the business some people outside of the business what have you got and, from and some personal as well what what do you get from them people around you them trusted advisors i think i think you can often get you know talking from the perspective of being an entrepreneur myself and you know trying to trying to run businesses yeah. and manage people i think just soundboarding and sense checking what what's going through my head and and being able to sound that off someone else and get it get it either played back to you or, or, or how important parenting. has that been for you in 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 developing to where you've got to they're really really important soundboarding yeah. sense checking yeah anything else that you get from your trusted advisors um i think i think it's often 
there's the two things of of talking about the things that are not going so well, but also celebrating those successes as well. You've got to do both. Yeah. Celebrating as well. You're quite a celebrator, right? You? you like a bit of a party, Rob. Well, you've, yeah. What's the point in working hard, long hours if you don't actually? What's the best have... wine in the world? <laughs> You're a connoisseur, yeah. I, I do, I do. I like a range of wine. Do you know what I've been drinking recently, and I'm actually quite enjoying it. Is is homemade red wine, which you, is from... you're making your own red wine. These I've, days? I've contributed to the making process, but it's my my partner's <laughs> father's red wine. Um, he's he's Italian, so he imports the grapes makes the wine and are ready to drink so it's strong it's not, stuff it's strong but there's no additional things in it. there's no sulfates there's nothing in it so it's just no headaches no headaches no headaches or well <laughs> depends how much you've had but less 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 fuzzy heads let's put it that yeah, way yeah it's but pure it's pure, it's pure and yeah i've actually really really enjoyed it i do like a nice you know well matured red something that's that's not been made that summer as well but I think, yeah, that I've actually really enjoyed over this summer is actually having some of that back to basics. Whilst you're on your boats. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's, Greek that's, normally, that's normally a, a rosé probably rather than a red on a, right. on a nice sunny day. So yeah. you even have the rosé stuff as well, do you? I do like the rosé. Yeah, rosé is good. Yeah. Bit of rosé. All right. What's the first thing that people should do once they've listened to this? I th- I think anyone listening to this who might feel they haven't got things completely right or they're they're having those kind of sleepless moments around finances, cash, whatever it is, is just just think, have I got the right people around me to 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 make sense of all of this? And if not, go and get some help. Right. And that could be as simple as talking to your accountant. Yeah, accountants are there to support, but often they're not proactive. So, but, but you, you, it's a right, it's a valid point because that's easy to do, isn't it? Yeah. Phone your accountant up. Yeah, and if if you it got costs a, you nothing. Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of accountants know a lot of stuff, and I'm talking about the accountants that are, do the year end yeah yeah accounts and stuff, but often they're not asked. Um, so yeah, either an accountant. Or think about yeah. getting something more strategic to help run your finance team. Yeah. Someone more strategic to run your finance team. Call me. Can I say that? Yeah, well, you've said it. <laughs> he's, he's just said it. He's, he's, you know, what, what do they say? It's easier to ask for forgiveness. There you go. I'm always happy to talk to someone. Yeah, of course you are. Help. Look, um, and you work alongside coaches, don't you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, we talked a little bit about shifting mindset shifting this i think part of it is it's all very well working all this out on paper and having a target and all this stuff but people fundamentally have to change how they do things and sometimes the big the most important thing there is that ability to have someone coached and upskill themselves and do yeah. things differently so yeah 100 percent work with coaches well look there's loads in there this has been really i love the keep it simple thing focus on improving margins profit cash balance but you know my favorite thing is being them Little step, end of month report, make some decisions, go and have fun, track it. And then here's the five things to do, you know, gamify it and what I share. Oh, I'll share it again. Look at it, cash position or the, your numbers, gamify it. What's the trend? What's the target? How are you going to do it? What are your ideas? And go get to work. They're my favorite bits. What's been your favorite bit, Rob? 
just spending time with you, James, is, is oh, great, isn't it? Thank I was, you. At the beginning oh. of this, you said you might take some notes, and I was, if they, you said if there's anything in, anything good that comes out, I'll take a note. And I'm, I was worried there'd be nothing, yeah. nothing written down. But yeah, you've got got a few pages there, so it's good. I mean, this, if if this helps anyone by just making them think actually finance is, is probably something I should really engage with this and, is, and use this it as a helped. tool to accelerate my business and my and my thinking and how I feel about all this then that helps it shouldn't be complicated it shouldn't be something to worry about it's something that will help you and your business for sure Rob Bolt thank you very much see you again next time thanks very much James thank you Hey there, James here with an exciting announcement. The BizX Awards is coming to the ACC Liverpool from the 18th to the 19th of April with an incredible lineup of speakers. You're going to meet the likes of Stephen Mulher, Donald Miller, Deborah Meaden, and many, many more. Book your spot right now at thebizx.co.uk. And if you've enjoyed listening to the Business Excellence Podcast, make sure to comment your top learnings and favorite moments, as well as like and subscribe. See you next time.